0: Okay, I'm after you too, Debbie. In the book of Ephesians, Paul is writing to explain what the church is really all about, what we are all about. And in this exposition that he gives, he presents it in a way that God has revealed this to him. The book of Romans and the book of Ephesians are two books where he doesn't uh, introduce anyone else as having written these books with him. It is as though God has given him revelation and he's giving it to us, the church. And it's as relevant today as it was all the years ago that he first penned these words. And in the book of Ephesians, there are two prayers that he prays. They are not just the overflow of his heart, praying for something. Because this is from God, these prayers are the prayers of the Holy Spirit. This is Scripture. So Paul is praying for us something that is the will and desire of God, and it comes directly from God himself. Therefore, You can say, as you read these two prayers, this is God's desire for me. Therefore, it's possible. I can enter into what he has for me. The first prayer, and we won't be looking at this one. I want to look at the second one. The first prayer is found in Ephesians chapter 1, and it's from verse 15 to the end. And its prayer is that we will continue in our understanding of God. See, when you first come to him, he explains things simply to you as a child. Now, it is a foundation, but you are to grow in your understanding. If you still have a childish appreciation of God, you are not doing what this prayer is praying for you, that your understanding will increase day on day on day. So you see God and his church and who you are and the purposes of God much more clearly. You grow up into it, you understand it more. The second prayer is found in uh, chapter 3, and it's from verse 14 to 20, oh, 21. I'm going to look at this a little more closely. But his prayer this time is that we will understand how much God loves us. All the songs we've sung this morning have been talking about coming into the presence of God and being loved of God and how much God loves us. And it is vitally important that the Holy Spirit himself would have prayed through Paul for you that you really come to grips with the love of God for you. Now, the love that we understand is love in this world. And let me tell you, I don't... I don't care how wonderful you have experienced love, it isn't a shade, it isn't even a fraction, to be compared with the love that God has for you. That's my message this morning. I want to convince you, and to show you, and to persuade you of how much God loves you, and the knowledge of this love can transform your doctrine, transform your Christianity, transform your life, transform the way you live. It is so fundamental. It is so powerful. Let's read these verses together. Ephesians 3 and verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. So we get this imagery of of Paul, as it were, representing the church praying before the Father from whom the whole family, that's us, his children, in heaven and on earth, those who have passed away, those who are still alive today, the 14, I don't know, billion Christians there are in the world and have died, and billions and billions of us. He is praying for us. In heaven and on earth, derive his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So... What he wants to do is strengthen you from the inside, the power of God strengthening you in your walk as a Christian. May strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Christ dwells inside of us in a very miraculous, in a very wonderful way. And I pray that you being, this is where he brings it in now, Rooted and established in love. That is rooted and established in the love of God. That you will know how much God loves you. And that knowledge of the love of God, that participation in that love, will so root you and establish you that nothing, nothing will ever move you. It is the love of God... It is not doctrine and understanding and theology. It is the love of God that will root you. You will be so established because you understand the love of God. Rooted and established in love. You may have power. I don't know how you're trying to get hold of the power of God, but I'll tell you this. Unless you are rooted and established and you know how much God loves you, the power will evade you. Because it flows out of the understanding and the entering into of this love that God has for us. We may have power together with all the saints. This is is an inclusive thing. It is that we be established in the love of God that this love might be manifest amongst us. That we truly might love one another and we might understand how we can enter into that love. I love people, but they never know that I love them because they never enter into the love. They're always at a distance. It doesn't matter what I do to them, they don't realize that I'm not loving them. We need to have our eyes open to what it is to be loved so we can enter into that love, to grasp how wide and long and how, uh, deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It is more than what you understand. It is a love that you just have entered into and you experience with God on a daily basis. Knowledge, to know God, is to be intimate with Him. It is not knowledge of understanding. It's knowledge of of experience, of intimacy. That is the knowledge he's talking about. And you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. In other words, you can be full of God's love. Do you want that? If it's on offer, if it's prayed for us, the Holy Spirit of God has prayed that for our being. We sing about it all the time. Let's have it, church. Yes? Yes? I don't want anything less than what's available to me. I don't. I've missed out on so much because I've been so caught up with myself I've missed what God has for me now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine Paul having prayed this for us he says this is beyond us how could I ever be filled with the fullness of the love of God this, this is beyond me now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more, God can do this, and all we can ask imagine, according to his power, that love that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. It's forever and ever and ever. Amen. I don't want to experience this love in heaven when I'm working and living with God. I want it now. I want it now. And I know it is the secret. It is the secret of the gospel. It is the secret of successful church. It is the secret of the Christian life. It is the secret of everything. This wonderful thing called the love of God. That's what I want to preach about this morning. Whoa, what a topic. I will scratch the surface very poorly. But I might scratch enough that you get a a hint of its fragrance this morning. Paul talks about the width and the height and the depth and the length of the love of God. As you read that, those words create a vastness. It's, It's beyond measure. It's immeasurable. It's so long and deep and high and wide. Well, of course, it's God. It's not going to be a puny, weak, insignificant love that we can conjure up when someone's nice to us. It's not going to be anything like the love that we know. It is going to be vast. And it is available to us. Let's have a look at the vastness of his love. It is so wide. It embraces the whole of mankind. God's love isn't like this. God's love is like this. All, all, not just not all are welcome. I love you all. Everything that God made, he loved. And he's loving everything he's making now. God loves you this morning. Even if you think God is stupid or he doesn't even exist, it makes no difference. He loves you passionately this morning. His love is so wide. His love is so long, it stretches through eternity. And it stretches back through eternity. In fact, there is no end to the love of God. It always has been, and it always will be. And we will spend eternity with him who loves us so much and loves us now so much. It is so deep. His love can reach down to the most degrading, disgusting, sinful, horrible person that has ever walked on the face of the earth and I'm not going to mention any names but there isn't anyone (laughs) who is so wicked and awful that the love of God can't go down to them and hold them in his arms and draw them to himself. Whoever that is in the whole history of mankind that is the depth Of the love of God. We would have written them off for much less than that. We would have nothing to do with them. But God is nothing like us. Nothing like us. And it's high enough that he can make the most depraved person. And lift them to the very heights of glory. Because he loves them so much. And establish them on a throne in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? We would kick them in the bin, burn them, destroy them. But God lifts them to glory. The most despicable people. If there is one reality above all others in life, it is that God wants you to understand how much he loves you. That's it above all realities, above all truths, above all understandings, above all doctrine, the one thing he wants you to know more than anything else is how much he loves you. I believe that if we realize how much God loved us, and if we understood and grasped it, that would be good, but no good. See, you could understand the love of God, but if you don't enter into it, it does you no good at all. No good at all. You can know everything about God, but unless you enter into God and live with him, it is of no value at all. We have to enter into the truth of this reality. I believe this this reality, this truth, is the greatest empowering force that will ever enter the human soul. The fact that God loves you. Philip, what does it mean to enter into love? We have a wonderful illustration for us in life, every day, and it's underlined in scripture. Paul, when he's preaching a little bit later in this book of Ephesians, and he's capturing the point, he says, I want to tell you about a husband and his wife. But he says, listen, I'm not talking about a husband and a wife. I'm talking about Christ and the church. So around you there are millions of examples of how God wants you to love Him. He says it's in the same way that a wife enters into this loving relationship with her husband. I've got to choose you my dear <laughs> to embarrass you, really? uh, I could not choose another. It would be impossible. No, okay. You have to turn the clock back 35, 40 years. 42. No, 43, actually. Yeah, okay. Or even 44 now this year. Okay. Turn the clock back. He says the husband and wife is like Christ and the church. So I just want you to use that imagination. I am representative of Christ. This is a a representative of the church, okay, of which she is and which I am, so we're all the bride of Christ. But for this, I'm going to represent Christ. Now, I lived in an old-fashioned time, so bear with me, because these traditions are really brilliant, and you'll understand. A woman would never ask a man out. That might be old-fashioned, but that's the way it was. So it doesn't matter how much she admired me, loved me, (laughs) thought wonderful things about me, which I'm sure she did, (laughs) until I said to her, Daphne, can we go out? She could do nothing. Let me tell you something. You never chose God. God chose you. You were ignorant and stupid of his existence. Mm. Even what you knew about him was wrong. Mm. But one day, God said to you, Daphne, would you come out with me? Yeah, Uh, yeah, I did say yes. You said yes. Now listen. I was only 14. I'm God. You're the church. I'm the star around here. Okay? Don't rob the show. (laughs) Okay. So I go round and I knock on the door, and so we go out. Now, we're walking down the street, okay? Now, she thinks this isn't very good because I want to get close to him. So what does she do? Yeah, she does. Or. She does this. No, she didn't do that because she's going to fall over. Oh, I didn't do that then. No, you didn't. No, I Yeah. Did I know. This. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, know. Now. I do that now because we're that. older. Yeah, we're older. OK. <laughs> but the idea is she didn't, she didn't take my arm because she was going to fall over. She might have felt dizzy because I was around her. I understand that. Oh, no. But what she's doing. See, she's entering into love. That's what she's doing. She's entering into love. And then all of a sudden, she starts shaking again, because I'm I'm very close to her. I understand these things. So I say, is everything all right? And she says, I'm a little cold, so I take my coat off. I don't know whose this is for one second. And I lay on, (laughs) she's not cold, come on. She's entering in to love, okay. And then when we walk for a time, we sit down on a chair and we're close to one another and uh, still might be here. And and she puts her head on my shoulder. (laughs) No, It's not because she's tired or I've exhausted her, or she can't cope with this closeness. There's nothing to do with that. She's entering in to love, do you understand? And then we look at each other. (laughs) And she sees this... She sees this wonderful, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful love look at and she you. cannot resist herself, but... Oh. oh no, not over. What's she doing? She's entering into love. Now, if, let's, let's wind it back. If I had said, Daphne, will you come out with me? And she said, no. That's the end of it, isn't it? Yeah. It's finished. I mean, I might try again and try again and try again, but if not, then it's nothing. And then, of course, um, one day I say... You didn't do that. I say it now. I say, will you marry me? Now, listen... I never picked this example, God did. Yeah. He said, this is an example of Christ and the church. This is how it's supposed to happen, yes? yes. It is supposed to happen like this. It's all gone a bit skew with today. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. They have messed up the whole of scripture, yeah. modernism has. Okay, And in the end, because we get married I and we betrothed. That. And then, of course, it's all culminated in intimacy. And that's that's the, that's the final giving of oneself completely. Okay? So you've got to give yourself to God. It ain't good enough to know about God or even to sing about his love or to know about his love. That won't do you any good at all. No good at all. She might have been speaking to her friends about what a wonderful man I was for a long time. It's going to do her no good until there is the coming and entering into the relationship of loving God. When you come this morning, did you love God? When you sang those songs, was it from your heart saying, I love you, God? Or was it, La, da, 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 or didn't even you bother singing? See, he wants your love. He wants your love. He wants you to enter into his love. And in entering into the love, the power of God is manifested in your life. If you won't do this stuff, you'll never know the power of God. It doesn't come from speaking in tongues. It doesn't come from reading your Bible. It doesn't come from spending hours on your knees. It comes from entering into the love of God. And if, if that drives you to your knees and you love showing your love of God on your knees or you love reading the scriptures and that, that, that is how you express your love to God, we're all different. But it is entering into this love that is so vital and so important for us. Why might we not enter into this love? Why might we all our lives keep ourselves distant from the love of God? May I suggest we have a poor or a limited understanding of who he is? If you think he is a legalist, a judge, a schoolmaster, an angry parent, a law enforcer, or a perfectionist, I tell you something, you will back off from God. He's none of those things. He is never watching out for your faults. I'll tell you, when I went with this lady, she never did anything wrong, ever. It was everyone else. Because I had eyes that could only see what I wanted to see. God loves you so much. If anyone says anything about you, he's just as likely to... Stamp on them. But he won't because he loves you as well. Because it's often the Christians that criticize one another. No one else cares what we do. We don't live in close, close fellowship apart from Christians. So if we have a very poor or a, a terrible understanding of somehow God watching over us to see when we sin so we can sort us out, you will never love God. You will never love God. Someone who you think is your judge. You will not do it. You will only try and play a life, play a life that pleases him. That's not love. We think God lives in heaven. It couldn't be further from the truth. Do you know, space does not exist. Have you ever heard this before? Space does not exist. Well, what's this then, Phil? This is space. So, we live down here, and God lives up there, and between us and God is this ton of space. That's rubbish. God's here. There is no space because God fills everything. Because God is omnipresent. He's in your lap. He's sitting in your lap. I don't know who you are, but I tell you, God is sitting in your lap. Now, you might appreciate it, but God, if he's omnipresent, he's got to be in your lap. He's got to be on that chair. He's got to be on your shoulders, O.P. He's got to be in your face. God is so close. In him we live and move and have our being. David says, where can I go to escape God? And he was an Old Testament saint. You cannot go anywhere to escape the presence of God. Of course he's in this place. And when you walk down the road, he's walking down the road with you. And when you go in your home, he's in your home with you. And when you get into your bed or go into the bathroom or go into the kitchen, God is there. He loves you so much, he never wants to take himself away from you. I used to see Daphne every night of the week till one o'clock in the morning. I couldn't wait to get married. I was exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Not because she exhausted me, but I wasn't getting sleep because I would rather be with her than sleep. Now You might call me an old romantic. It don't really matter. But so I was consumed with this person. I thought about this person all the time. I remember going to a conference and sitting on a chair like this and I would just want to be close to her. I don't know what the preaching was all about, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so much God loves you. Yeah. He, ain't, he, ain't, he is not for one minute going to take his eyes off you, not for a second, because he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to go somewhere else and do something. And because he loves you, he will be with you all the time. Do you believe that? Yes. yes. Do you really, really believe that? Yes. Because if you really believed it, it transforms your life. Amen. It is a transforming power to it. His love for you is so intense. He never wants to go away. Sometimes when we pray, we don't get an instant answer, or we feel that God isn't speaking to us, or or something. So we question whether He cares. Please never ever do that again. That is such an insult. It's like Daphne ringing me up and say, "I don't think you care about me." When 24 hours a day, that's where my thought was. Now, we've grown old uh, in love, and there is a greater maturity, and it isn't quite the same. I understand that. But you see, it says to the Ephesian church in Revelation, do you remember when Jesus rebukes the first church? Do you know what he rebukes them for? He says, you've done all these wonderful things, but you've drifted away from your first love. First love, you see, is important. Now, we get more and more intense and passionate. With God. More and more intense and passionate because we understand Him more. We understand who He is and what He's doing. And everything I discover about God, He's more beautiful. I didn't realize this salvation was so good. I thought I got saved and didn't have to go to hell, and that was good. But I tell you, that was just the bottom line. There's a mountain of stuff that's grown up out of that first initial step about the love of God and who God is and what our salvation is and what it means to us. It is wonderful. How can we be sure that God loves us so much? He pursued you. Even when you were independent and rebellious and full of yourself and didn't give a moment's care about him, he pursued you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can you believe that? What love is that? Then God sends Jesus to this planet to show us what his love is like. The perfect love of Christ manifests for those years that he walked on the planet. Have you found a fault in him yet? Have you read the scriptures and found something wrong in him? It is not possible. And if we could watch him for those thousand days he walked on the planet, he would have done nothing wrong. He would exemplify to us the pure love of God. And then at the end, God the Father mercilessly slaughters his son, his most precious son, so that he could redeem you back from the devil. He could release you from being a slave of Satan. He could restore you to himself. He did that for you. That's historic facts that are laid down. You say, I understand this, Phil, but what bearing does his love have on me today? Since you became a Christian, since you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have acted so childishly, so willfully disobedient, so stupidly, so ignorantly, so stubbornly towards this God, But he has never stopped loving you. Through all those stupid, selfish, willful, arrogant, faithless hours, days, weeks or months that you've lived, he has never stopped loving you for one second. And I'll tell you, if you are stupid towards him and ignorant towards him and selfish towards him for the rest of your life, his love will not diminish by one iota. It cannot. It is impossible. Because his love is so vast and measureless. Mostly he knows why you're stubborn and obnoxious and self-willed and rebellious and arrogant. He knows why. He knows that you're just growing up and my children were all of those things many times. But did I ever stop loving them? Never once. Will I ever stop loving them? No. And if I, being evil or carnal, know how to love my children, how much more will God love you? in all your stupidity, in all your selfishness, in all your ignorance, he will never, ever, 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 ever stop loving you. The effectiveness of the power of God. You can be sure, despite, your treatment of him in the past he will never remember the sins you have committed. You can be sure despite your treatment of him in the past he will never remember the sins you have committed and hold them against you. Your past a second ago understand all of your past no matter how many sins were in that how many foolish ignorant acts were there he's chosen not to remember one of them every second of every day I have a clean sheet with God that's it because I have faith in Jesus Christ as my saviour He always sees me perfect. And his love towards me is perfect. It's wonderful. Oh God, let me just remind you of that awful, awful thing I did. Let me remind you of that terrible argument I had in the church and those people left. Let me remind you of the time I spitefully preached, pointing the finger at someone, and everybody knew who I was talking about. God says, "I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about." I, I'm not. here and you say, no, I'm going to live in the world, I'm going to have the thoughts of the world, the mind of the world, the attitude of the world he says, come but he'll love you if you never come, oh I like being over here worrying, being anxious, being fretful caring, being negative I love it God God says, no, come oh no, I want to stay in this terrible, awful place because somehow it feels right for me. It's says, fine. Stay there. I love you just the same. But it's better over here. In the kingdom of God. Where you live in cuckoo land. Where problems melt away. Where pain is not pain. And the real hardships of life are not hardships at all come and live with me, church, in cuckoo land. (laughs) Come be with me. We're a God who loves me so much that if I lost everything that I had in the world, I would wake up and say, praise the Lord, I love you, God, because you love me. If I lost everything in the world, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Love is patient. God waits. He waits for you to enter into love with him. Some Christians never do. They never enter into the love of God. Oh, they hear about it, sing about it, talk about it, read about it. But they never enter into it. Some Christians flirt with the love of God. They say it, and sometimes they act it, but they run back away from the love of God. A number fully enter in to this crazy love relationship with God. Whether you've loved him or not, one day God will say, that's enough, you're coming home. Won't he? Love him or don't love him, Entering into his love or not, he'll have enough of you wandering around here being daft. He'll say, come on home. I love you so much, I've just got to have you now. Come on. you finish finished down there. I can't let you make any more mess than you've made already. Get up here to me, and we're going to work this out together. God wants you to have a love affair with him. On the day he saved you, He wanted a most passionate love affair with you. Are you going to get into it? Are you going to stay on the outside? We sing a song. We're going to sing it in closing. You'll know the words. Come away with me. Come away with me. It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late for you. I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. I love this, it's going to be wild, it's going to be great, it's going to be full of me. I don't want any other plan. I want to turn here and turn there and look and everywhere, there he is, God, staring me right in the face, saying, get up, Phil, keep going, press on, believe me, walk by faith, don't be be hemmed in, don't be restricted. Walk with me. Run with me. We've got an exciting life together. I can give you everything you ever desired and a hundred times more, but you couldn't cope with it. He said, open your heart and let me in. Can you come and do this, worship man? Oh, isn't he good? Isn't he good? Wow, he's great.